everybody. Welcome to this episode of Girl Talking Moss. I am here with my co-host, Anna Lee. Hey everybody! Hello! We are super excited because Lauren Chavez Myers is joining us today, you guys. And she is an actress, producer, director, kind of like everything you ever wanted to do and be a part in movies. Lauren can do it all. <laughs> like, like 100% do it all. Um, and we just want to welcome her to Girl Talking Ma. So thank you, Lauren, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I showed Anna Lee your um your reel and we were just like, wow, you are super talented. Agreed. Thank you. Thank you for watching it. I, I put those things up online and I wonder if they actually get any traction. So it's always, oh. it's always nice when someone watches and it's like, thank you. Yeah, and you used to, you've you've yeah. done so much like dramatic, you know, dramatic you know, such so many dramatic scenes and comedy scenes and then you're directing and producing behind the scenes so it's just so amazing to see our fellow latina doing all this greatness so so we're super proud of you and happy for you that you know you've come so far thank you so we kind of wanted to get it started and just kind of like ask you like how did this all start for you like where did this all start was this kind of like a love of of directing and acting that you always kind of had like for movies or did you kind of you know how did you find your passion in in this you know i kind of i I kind of blame my parents <laughs> because, um, you know, I grew up in New Mexico. I was born and raised, and my, my mom's whole side of the family is from New Mexico. They've been there for a very, very long time, um, and my, my dad is from Michigan, and, um, you know, I, I, found, I found out very recently just how much my, my grandpa was into movies. He used to work at a movie theater. My mom also worked. I think she worked at that exact same movie theater in Albuquerque. Um, it was called the Sunshine Theater. It oh. actually still exists. Oh, wow. And, you know, my grandpa loved movies. He was even in, um, he was like a background on a movie in like the 1930s called, I think it's called The Light That Failed. Um, and so... I think it's just, I think my family's always kind of been into it, but when I was really little, my mom met this, like, fellow um, casting director in New Mexico, because New Mexico, they've, they've, before, you know, Breaking Bad, it was kind of like this secret place where you could go to for a lot of, to do, to film a lot of things, particularly Westerns. Yeah. Um, Didn't think about that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, and because it, it's it's gorgeous, and you know, it's got these like sprawling vistas and mesas and amazing sunrises and sunsets, and um, there's a lot there's a lot you can do there, and so a lot of people film there, and so my mom started sending my brother and I off to auditions. Um, I mean, my brother booked a commercial when he was three, um, and I booked my very first commercial when I was seven, and I got to go to this like supermarket and film a little commercial for a little supermarket and I got to stay up late and I got free candy on set and I got to be my loud boister self and I got paid for it and I was like this is the life yeah. <laughs> um and so uh yeah and and the following year I booked um, a feature film. It was a, it was what we call a spaghetti western. So it was a western that was made by uh, Italians and even some Germans as well. And I spent an entire summer traveling with my mom and my brother as well, just around the state, um, going from set location to set location and, you know, got to work with Ruth Buzzy and, um, you know, Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer, who were, you know, were really big shots in Italy. Um, and I was, I really, really loved it. Um, 
And so I kind of, you know, from then on out was like, this is, this is it. So my mom was like, well, let's get you into theater then. Let's see if you like that as well. And of course I, I really fell in love with the stage. So I, I, um, I, I kept pursuing it. My, my brother was like, eh, I'm going to go be an engineer instead. Yeah, that's <laughs> what Annalise is. Annalise is an engineer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, <laughs> I'm sure you know this, Annalise, but there's a little bit more stability in the engineering world than there is in <laughs> <Had been>. <laughs> You know, you probably get, you know, health benefits and 401k and just, yes, there's a lot more security and, yeah. um, And I, but I just, I loved it. And I decided to major in theater at Chapman University. And I, my path had always really just been acting that, that was, that I thought was always my, my production, you know, but when I look back on it, I think there were some things along the way that kind of maybe hinted that it couldn't just be that because you know I we wanted to film these SNL skits for my birthday so I had a group of friends that were going to come up for my birthday party and we knew we wanted to make this video so we were literally like rehearsing on the playground and um you know I was writing I used to write a lot of short stories I wrote plays when I was really little um but I kind of got it beaten out of me, I think, just by being in school and trying to be really good at school. Because I had asked my mom to go to L.A. I was like, I want to go to L.A. when I was like 12. And she was like, no, you're going to stay in school and get an education. Oh, and you wow. can go to L.A. later. Yeah. Um, and I'm really, really grateful that's what happened. Yeah. Um, and when I went to school, something very interesting happened, which is you know, I'm, I'm, I'm paying for an education, of course. And I just felt like there weren't a lot of opportunities for, um, actors in the program Mm -hmm. because they would only do so many main stage plays a semester. And if you didn't get cast in one of those main stage plays, the only work you were doing was in class. And my girlfriend and I were like, this, this isn't right. Like we want, we want to perform more. This is why we're here. Mm. So we created a production company uh, called from the ground up. And it was basically, we were like the artistic directors of it. And we asked everyone, not just in the theater department, but around the school, like submit us 10 minute plays, let us know if you want to direct. Um, and then we would pick a certain amount of plays and we would assign directors to them and we would say, go, you know, we'll hold auditions, go cast your plays and we will produce all of these for you either in the theater department. Sometimes we would do it in like a lecture hall for the science building. Um, and it was a way to give people opportunities when they didn't have them. That is an awesome and, idea. <laughs> that is really yeah, cool. And the best part is it still exists at Chapman University no or that is 14 awesome. years later. <laughs> so that's, that's really cool. <laughs> um, so I moved back to New Mexico after graduation and this was around the time that like, you know, Breaking Bad was really taking off and New Mexico had incorporated um, film tax incentives. So it was a way of being like, hey, come to New Mexico, we'll give you like anywhere from a 25 to 30, you know, percent rebate, you will save money by coming to film here instead of mm-hmm. in oh, say, wow. LA or yeah, New York. Mm-hmm. So we had this like influx of productions come in to the point where New Mexico is, you know, along with like Atlanta, um, one of the top states to film in outside of California. And that's crazy. 
And what's so great is like, you know, I was kind of auditioning, but not a lot. And it was for really small roles. It was for very stereotypical roles for women at the time. And a friend of mine came up to me. He's like, hey, do you want to make a feature film? Do you want to co-write it with me? We'll raise money on Kickstarter and make it. And we did. (laughs) And that's that was one of those times where it was like I was working, you know, acting on set 12 hours, 12 hours a day, going home, uh, making food for the crew, (laughs) waking up a few hours later, (laughs) doing it all over again. And I feel like like when you do something like this, you like live it and breathe it like all the time you know like it's not like a job yeah. where you like a you know like a nine it's not like obviously it's not nothing like a nine to five like you know where you're just working like it feels like you're always yeah. you know I don't know who, I can't remember who I heard this about I might it might be Daniel Day-Lewis they always they say he's always in character when he's playing a character that he stays in his <laughs> yeah. they say he stays in his character even like at home because he's just like I guess it just helps him keep you know keep his character going for when he's like filming <laughs> Yes, I I don't necessarily work that way with that, yeah. thing, but it's definitely a way. Yeah, you you live and breathe it, and and you know, for a lot of people who work in film, it doesn't always pay the bills. So you're you're working your day job, and then you're going home and you're writing or you're auditioning or you know producing, directing something. And um, and the thing is that I notice, particularly with women and particularly with women in this industry, is a lot of us feel like we can't just be an actor. It's like we have to teach ourselves how to write. We have to teach ourselves how to direct. And yeah. I'm, I'm sure we're all very well aware with the Me Too movement and everything, like there has been this awareness brought to the discrepancies with women in the industry. And the thing is, when there's women on set, we are so good at multitasking. Mm-hmm. We are so good at, at running a crew and running a crew with this like maternal sense of taking care of people and listening to each other, but also, you know, knowing what we want and want, you know, knowing what we need to do to see our creative vision come to fruition as well. Wow. Yeah. And, and I mean, you've been a part of so many amazing films from 12 strong to the space between us. And I guess I want to know, like, what are some of the best resources that helped you along the way Like you talked about, you know, being a woman, like, and trying to take on all these different roles, like what resources helped you in that? Um, aspect um you know honestly like I I got a really good education at Chapman I really did appreciate just the the classes that I took and the professors that I had and and it was not easy and I disagreed with a lot of the teaching methods but at the same time I walked away being like oh yeah like I I have some tools in my tool belt Mm -hmm. um the other thing that really helped is I uh, when I went back to New Mexico, I joined a theater company um, uh, called Duke City Repertory Theater, and it was started by, funny enough, a Latino woman named Amelia Ampuero, and she started that theater company for the same reason I did at Chapman, where she was auditioning a lot in the Southeast United States for theater companies, and she kept walking into rooms where it was more often than not an older white man as an artistic director, yeah. and she knew that her roles would be limited. She knew that their visions would not necessarily serve the kind of work that she wanted to do and be a part of. So she was like, I'm going to go back home to Albuquerque and start my own theater company. And, you know, she approaches her work as a student in many ways. Mm. So 
I was always taught that my work is never done. I am constantly trying to teach myself new tools. I am constantly trying to push myself. And that is everything from, let me take a new class, to this specific specific script, whether it's opening night or closing night. I'm constantly mining the material for new information and constantly seeking discovery. And I think when you have that specific mindset of my work is never done, then it does nothing but breed, I think, um, more creative choices, smarter choices, broader choices, inclusive choices. Yeah. You know, I think it does nothing but do good things. <laughs> wow. That's Amazing. You guys, if you guys haven't had a chance yet and you guys don't, you know, have never seen Lauren's Reels, you really need to go over to her website and just check out all her work <laughs> because you'll kind of get what we're all talking about right now. Um, but I want to move on to um, what we're, what, you know, what we really wanted to talk about with this interview, Lauren, and we had chatted about this previously, um, was this project, this very special project that you're working on. Um, that was uh, brought to my attention by one of my former um, guests that I had on the podcast, Ms. Bobby Becerra. And uh, it's kind of, um, I know it's in the, it's in the beginning stages of, of creating this, this project um, and this uh, short film, right? Is that what's kind of going to be like a short film? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. And it brings up the topic of um, passive racism. Um, so tell us more about that, like how, how this is coming creatively onto your lap and, and what you want to do with, you know, with this opportunity. Yeah, it's so funny because I, I actually met Bobby. She had put out a, a notice to this email group that I'm a part of. And she was like, I'm looking for, at the time it was for a director oh. um, for this project that I'm you know, that I'm working on that's based on a true story. And it, it really all has to do with a date that she had that kind of went unexpected mm -hmm. um, than how I think both parties wanted it to be. But I knew from the story and I knew from the way she talked about it that this was kind of something special. And I ended up coming onto the project as a writer. Um, but it, it really... You know, it's about a date. It deals with passive racism. But for Bobby and I and Christiana, the director who's involved, it really is about challenging our assumptions of people. It's um, it's modeling behavior of how we, you know, when we encounter passive racism, you, what do we do with that? Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to either have expectations of how to act a certain way or um, have limited beliefs of how we should act. And, you know, it was important to us that we make this very social impact. And it's actually a comedy. I wasn't sure how what the approach was on it. Yeah, it's, it's a comedy because, you know, even when you're dealing with heavy subjects of, of racism or sexism or whatnot, like, when you add that brevity to it, I think it only makes it that much more accessible for um, for audiences. Because we really just wanted to make something that people can talk about afterwards yeah. and engage in, engage in, in like solid discussions where we put our walls down, we put our limited beliefs aside and we really listen to one another because, you know, when it comes to racism in particular, we, um, like whose job is it to fix it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and a lot of us are like, well, it's the majority's job. Well, what if it's everyone's job? And, and, and the, then the question becomes, well, how do we fix it? 
how do we come become effective in hearing one another? How do we become engaged? How do we become inclusive? And Bobby took this very, you know, funny, crazy encounter she had on a date and was like, I want to make this into a film because we can teach so much and learn so much from it. I mean, I know I have experienced passive racism a lot in the area that I work in. Um, and I know we have all experienced passive racism mm-hmm. in some type of way. So how do you, we, as, I guess, as women, as Latinas, as just as women in general, go about fixing the problem but hold our own integrity at the same time? Oh, my gosh. Yes. And, and I can only imagine specifically as like a Latino woman in in a field like engineering um, where there are so many expectations and assumptions of who who can and cannot or should and should not work in that field. Um, Mm. I think it was, you know, one thing that we talk about in the film is, and I I wanted to bring it to light in a very stylized way, is there, there is a part in the film where our main character, Selena, who is a successful, you know, woman living in Los Angeles, just gets bombarded by this, like, Greek chorus of people saying, this is how you should act. This is what you're supposed to say. You should be angry. You should be mad. You should be pissed off. Um, And I think it's, we're modeling how she can, how she can hold her space. Like, no, I don't have to, like, I might be angry, but what if I'm not, you know? And I'm allowed to not be angry about this. I'm allowed to be, a complex array of other emotions when I, when I encounter these limited beliefs of another person. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's having the confidence. It's, it's knowing who you are and it's also allowing that, that like giving that other person enough room, hence the name of our project to, to be in that space with you so that you can say, cool, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to give you that space. And usually when we do that, the other person is willing to listen as well, because that's exactly what happened on her date is she gave that person the space to talk about why they believed what they believed about say Mexicans. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening is they had a very, um, intimate conversation with one another. Did they have another date? Absolutely not. But, they walked away from that conversation, I think, having learned a big lesson, and hopefully that is something that can, like, that spirals into the rest of our community, into the rest of our society. But it's it's not easy. I mean, no. that's the big thing. It's yeah. not easy. I mean, I think, I think there's an anger, you know, sense of anger. I know, I know when I had a situation before, when I worked for one of the TV networks that I worked for in in Detroit I had a situation like that from a boss of mine who just didn't like me she was a woman too but I just think she had something against Hispanics or, or you know or maybe Mexicans or anything but she would just she would make these like racist comments to me all the time like just little things like oh you could have been better off cleaning or you know things like that like, she'd make these like little like digs at me and I'd be like what the hell is this chick's problem you know and I would be so I, I mean I, I obviously got myself out of there you know on my terms um which which was good for me but I I feel like 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 Annalise said we have all experienced it and I think I know from my I can tell you my first reaction is anger because <laughs> it's like right you know yeah. it's like what the heck you know and 
um, I, I actually moved from Detroit to San Antonio to actually be in a place where I felt more embraced culturally. Um, uh-huh. And that's why I decided to raise my daughter here and, and everything because of um, Texas and specifically like the San Antonio area being so um, culturally accepted. And, you know, I feel like I am the majority here, you know, so I, I feel yeah. very comfortable <laughs> and I love that feeling and I, and I like it. I like that about living here. I really do. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, there's, there's safety and inclusivity, I think yes. in, in, yes. in your space, in your community. And, you know, the thing that I think we're hoping for is we want that, we want that in Detroit too. We want that in Seattle and, you know, Baton Rouge or, (laughs) you know, we want that, we want that everywhere. We want, we want you to be able to, to be in a space like that and be able to, to hold your own space and your own integrity. And I think we're just really hoping that, that this is something that, people from all walks of life and, and, you know, not just from a racism standpoint. Um, there's a lot, I think with Bobby's story and in this script that I have thoughts about when it comes from like a sexism point of view, like how I've been treated as, as just, just like a woman in general, uh, particularly in this industry or say in like the service industry, um, where it's sometimes you just got to sit people down and be like, Tell me why you feel that way. Yeah. Tell me why you think I should be um, a maid instead of, you know, someone who's working a very successful job with a media company, right. you know? Annalie, um, you've worked, um, I mean, you, yeah. work, you work in a very professional setting as an engineer. Yeah. Um, you, you have a great position at your company and... Um, and I know you probably came across this and I know you're probably like one of the only Latina women in your company or one of the few. maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell, tell us a little bit how you how you handle that, because I'm sure you come across this, these feelings, maybe every once in a while. You know, I, as, as I, th- you. I think it's funny, like um, the way the way so we have an open um this is, this is very, it's Austin. I live in Austin, so it's yes. very modern. Nobody has offices. It's all open. Um. And so in the quad that I'm in, it's me, my boss, and another one of our team members, and everyone assumes that I'm their assistant. Uh-huh. And, 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 that, and, that, and, and it's great. Like, I'm not putting anything yes. down, assistance or marketing or whatever your position is. <laughs> but it's just so funny because my boss loves Amazon. He's, I, like, I'm not even kidding you, like, three to five Amazon boxes deliveries per day. Per day. Whoa. Whoa. So, <laughs> He loves Amazon. So and they bring them to your desk. There, yeah, they, they come to me and they're like, oh, I'm looking for, I'm assuming your boss. And they say that a lot. Like, I'm assuming your boss. And he is my boss. But it's just funny because they're like, oh, are you the secretary? And I'm like, no, I'm an engineer. I'm not that person. We actually have an admin who handles that outside of my, my cube. But they just automatically see me. And I'm the only Latina, the only woman under 40. Um, wow. the only engineer, wait, no, I'm one of two engineers that's a woman and the other one, she's from Czech Republic. Um, so, um, she's very new too, but she gets it a lot too. And it's, it's just so funny cause she's not Latina, but we identify with like kind of the same thing. Yeah. Or, yeah. So it's, it's pretty funny because we both, if we go anywhere with our bosses, they just assume like, Oh, are you, are you part of the marketing team? And yeah. I love marketing. I, I'm obsessed with marketing, but no, I am not. 
but thank you kind of or not thank you I don't know it's yeah like yeah. they don't they don't automatically think oh you're an engineer it's more like oh are you here to take pictures of the project and I'm like no I'm actually the designer <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm the one like, that no, designed I made it. this <laughs> I designed this yeah so it's just, and it's it's hard not to get mad and oh, yes. I think that's I think that's something that we have to like I think that's why like Lauren is amazing because I feel like we have to talk about this stuff like how do we not get mad right like especially in a professional setting how do I not blow up and start saying I actually designed it you know like how do I stay calm really look at it from all angles and then decide what to do next you know right yeah and I mean the fact of the matter is you're also totally allowed to be angry in that moment Mm -hmm. um you know you're allowed to feel whatever it is that you want to feel um and for me it's like to me this is why I truly believe in the power of film and media because part of the reason that people think that you are the assistant or part of the marketing team is because they don't see that that often because we we've yet to see the the Latina engineer on screen that often and very true you know and i i'm so glad to to see like this trend of of really putting women in more of these professional roles um in television and media and it's something that i absolutely commit myself to as like a writer director it's like no 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 i want my cast to at least be 50 50 female if not predominantly female and i want to see women doing things that aren't the stereotypical housewife receptionist yada 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 and it's not that those things aren't bad but it's it's for the exact reason that you encounter the things you do it's because we haven't been exposed to that people have this assumption of who and what you're supposed to be and it's like no 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 we gotta we want we want to expose you to more we want to expose you to what's outside of the box because that is in fact normal you being a latin engineer is completely normal yeah that's a real thing yeah exactly exactly (laughs) yeah it's so funny because I just thought of your your role that you did in the space between us you had like a very strong you know role in in you know in that clip that I saw of you um in that and I felt like you know like that's like like those are the roles that we need to see more (laughs) of yeah Actually, I was head of I was head of a business affairs for like a private space company. Yeah, exactly. So when I got that, I was like, heck yes. Yeah, you're like, I totally will do this part. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and it's just we just need to see more of that, and I think that's what that's the direction that we're heading in, and it's no different than we need to see more women being in these you know quote unquote non traditional old school roles. Um, and we also need to see people modeling this behavior of tolerance as well. Yeah. And once people see that, they, I think they start, they start acting that way, you yeah, know, definitely you, ex- you expose them to it enough. It can, it can spark change. So for sure. That's perfectly said. Um, so another topic that we wanted to talk about Lauren was like our Latina identity, um, because <laughs> I know we all come from different places. Um, Anali actually grew up like in a small, small town, um, in East Texas called Del Rio, Texas, and then she moved yeah. to Austin, um, where she lives now, and she's in the like the trendy, you know, part of uh part of Texas. <laughs> up, in, I want to say it's always yeah. up and coming, up and coming, you know, 
Um, the hip, the hip, yeah, part. the hip part of, of, of that. But but I know I, I I know from um you know reading Annalise's blog for the you know, so many years that I've that I've read her blog and now I'm just so honored and happy that she's part of my podcast. But I know from reading her her um her blog post that she's identified with um you know having her like Latina identity you know, like being, you know, cause are you, you know, like there's some of us who are darker than us, some of us who are lighter. Like I happen to be a very fair Latina. People don't even think I'm Mexican, you know, a lot of the times, uh-huh. so, you know, people would be like, Oh, like one time I had, I want to say like, I, I know this, I know I might've said this before in another podcast, but I had a Mexican flag in my car when I first moved here in my twenties and um, a girl got in my car and she was just like, Oh, like, why do you have that? And I was like, Oh, she thinks I'm Caucasian. Cause that happened to me all the time. People always thought uh-huh. I was, just assumed I was, you know, a white girl. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, well, my family is from Mexico. Like, my dad was born in Jalisco. Like, we are, you know, like, I mean, I wasn't born there, but I mean, I still rep my flag, you know. And, right, yes, and, um, yes. And I, you know, and I had it in my car. And she was like, oh, and she was like, well, why would you, if you're not, you know, she was like, like, and I, it was just, she kind of, she still didn't get it. Like, it was still kind of like, well, you know. And that's when I started to realize, like, there were, different types of Latina identities. Like there's the, you know, Tejana and Chicanas and, you know, and and then I know you guys, I know you have a a name in your city. Like what is, how do you say it? I want to make sure I say it correctly. Oh, Burkenyos. (laughs) And I was like, what is that? You got to tell me. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it's, so New Mexico is, is interesting to me. And I'm, I'm sure it's probably not too different from Texas. Like I think if there's any, um, Anyone, yeah, yeah, it would be between the two states, right? Because, um, you know, I grew up like my family is Hispanic, so they have literally been in New Mexico, my mom's side of the family, probably since like Cortez came up from Mexico, right? Yeah, so there is, and, and I think because of the Native American population that you know has inhabited obviously. North America for thousands of generations. Um, the distinction became more so between Hispanics and Native um, than anything else, and and even then, there's been a lot of you know mixing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and my grandparents' first language was Spanish. The only reason they didn't speak it to my mom and my aunt, who else they have, they speak pretty decent Spanish, um, is that they were forced to learn and speak English in school. Yeah, and so I would go over to my like uh, grandma and grandpa's. Uh, house and like my great aunts would be there and they'd be speaking in Spanish and I was like I have no idea what they're talking about (laughs) um and yet there's so much blending that happens that I just you you never knew who was Caucasian or who was Hispanic and if they looked Hispanic then it was like with its stereotypical dark features then it was like okay but a lot of times it was more like an attitude it was the way you dressed it was the way you spoke and you just kind of assumed everyone probably had hispanic in them like some kind of spanish or native or in many ways mexican blood so i had a friend i went to high school with who looked like she stepped out of scotland we're talking like white skin freckles red hair the whole thing mm-hmm. but the way that she spoke i just remember and it was with like what we called like the burkenyo accent i was like oh yeah she's probably She's probably Hispanic in some way, shape, or form. And in many ways, I felt like she was more Hispanic than I was, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just something that you didn't really talk about much. You didn't really compare that much. It was, it was more so about being New Mexican or being a Burqueño or say you're from Santa Fe or you know Las Cruces. Like it was, we're just all in this 
mm. puddle together, you know? When I moved to L.A., it was suddenly like, well, okay, so you don't speak Spanish. You don't look Hispanic. Um, I didn't even, I, I, Myers, they were like, what does that mean With yeah. when it comes to my last name? Yeah. So people were like, so how are you Hispanic? And it was like, oh, suddenly I have to prove what I am and mm. not speaking Span, not speaking Spanish, um, really, really confused people. Um, and so part of me was like, well, like, what am I, (laughs) you know, if I just, what is, what does it mean with my mom and my family? And, you know, even though I don't look a certain way, um, and so it's really made me think about how vast and wide Latina, um, culture is not just in the U S but around the world. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's once again, breaking those assumptions, like, can I honor your, um, you know, father's Jalisco heritage and your your identity, um, Marisa, as well as yours, Annalie, even though yours is are totally yeah. different than mine. Yeah. You know, can can we all be Hispanic or Latina or Chicana or however you identify together, even though they're totally not the same in many ways? That's such a big statement. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like yeah. taking that in right now, I'm like, whoa. That's such a huge statement. Annalie, what, what has your experience been since you have you are from Texas? You've been here all your life. You've only lived in Texas. Um, how has your growing up and and being, you know, Mexican-American or how, how has that been for you? I think what, what really like put things into perspective, like going off of what Lauren said right now, mm-hmm. when I met Julian, who is Colombian. Yes. It, it never, it never really hit me how different we all were, but similar. Yeah. Um, and, and it's crazy how we're put into this box, right? Latinos, Latinas, Latin. Like, it's just this box, right? It's like, oh, okay, y'all are all like similar, the same, whatever. It's not whatever because I didn't realize how different we were. I assumed that everybody was Mexican like me. I mean, I came from a town that was 96% Mexican-American. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is, yeah, that is that's crazy. Yeah. Like, the first real Indian person I had seen in my life was my first day at UT Austin. Like, a real person that was of Indian heritage, like, wow. from India. And, my, and I remember calling my mom and being like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. You know, like, there's actually <laughs> people here that are not, that don't look like me. Or in my graduation, my dad flipped out because there was um, some people... Um, there was a, um, a guy graduating who I knew who was uh, in this African-American Divine Nine fraternity. His family showed up, you know, wearing um, the traditional, um, I guess, fashion of their what, what, whatever part of Africa they were from. Yeah. My dad flipped. My dad flipped out, was pointing. He started taking pictures. Oh, and my that God. Was a <laughs> but it's just like, like things like that. Like, we don't, we're, I... I grew up so closed off from the world and I love my Mexican heritage, but then at the same time, I wish that I would have explored a little more growing up or just been exposed to more. Um, Like the first time I met Julian, I spelled Columbia, um, C-O-L. Oh, you yeah. spelled Colombia. You spelled Colombia, not oh, Colombia. He was so mad at me. (laughs) But it's just like, I don't know. I, I, I loved, I mean, I grew up on the border. I grew up in, I grew up in Mexico, like basically. And so, I mean, I loved it. And I think 
I mean, I, I know Spanish. I went to school in New Mexico during the summers. Um, it, I mean, it's great until I I realized that I had been closed off so much from the rest of the world, mm-hmm. which is crazy. And I didn't realize that until I moved here, you know? Yeah, yeah, because Austin is very, I mean, there's all, every kind of person lives in Austin. Every gen- yeah. every every nationality is, is, is represented there. I feel oh, like, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of, you know, I feel like when I go, I, I mean, just from going from San Antonio to, to Austin or to Houston or to Dallas, you know, they're obviously, and I, and me growing up in Detroit, obviously, um, the majority is, um, African American, but there were a lot of Polish people. Like we had a Polish, we have a Greek town, we had a Mexican town and we, everybody stayed in their own towns is how it, pretty much how it went. Like if you wanted to eat Mexican food, you went to Mexican town, you wanted Polish food, you went over to where the Polish side was. And my school, I went to a Catholic school, but it happened to be in, like, the Polish neighborhood. So me and my one cousin were the only Mexicans in, in the kindergarten class. I remember that. You know, I remember, like, just me and my cousin being kind of looking at each other, like, okay, everybody else is blonde hair and, you know, <laughs> blue eyes and don't speak Spanish, and here we are. And But, but where we lived were all our people. You know, so like I, I right. did not, I, I mean, I, so, and then as, obviously as I grew up and, and, you know, um, got outside of my neighborhood, which was, was not very big. Um, I would, I, I ended up, you know, meeting a lot of other nationalities and I think I had the opportunity, like my, one of my best friends is Cuban and, you know, uh, like, you know, I just grew up a lot of, around a lot of Puerto Ricans and a very, there was a lot of different Hispanic, um, uh, people in that whole, you know, area of Detroit as, as I grew up, I was able to connect. I kind of like, you know, I think like the same way, like I still felt a little like unidentified as like, do I, am I, you know, can I say I'm, you know, like Mexican American? I mean, I, you know, I hate that whole thing where you check the box and it doesn't give you the opportunity to, to, to I know. And I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> I hate what, that. what am I? <laughs> it's like, where are you? And I'm like, am I supposed to check white? And then I have to go down to the secondary box and check Hispanic, you know? Yep. It's like, what kind of shit is yes. that? <laughs> or, or you do your 23 and me and it's like, oh, you are native. And you're like, what native though? Yeah. Like, how is this? Do I check that now? I don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and the thing that, yeah, the whole checking the box thing is is infuriating in and of itself. But yeah. the thing, and I feel like Trevor Noah talked about this. I think after the Men's World Cup last year. Oh. But it's like you're allowed. Like I think you're allowed to honor and celebrate both. Like yes, you are one hundred percent allowed to have and honor that Mexican flag in your car. Yeah. There is a whole cohort of New Mexicans here in uh, California. And, man, we flash our Zia tattoos, if we have them, yeah. or our Zia symbols, which is our state flag. Like, nobody's yeah. business. Like, yes, we live in California, but we are proud to also be from New Mexico. Yeah. Um, and it's like sometimes people have a hard time. Uh, like recognizing that, like y- you can, you can be both. Yes. You can be so much yes. more than that. You know, you don't have to be limited to one thing. Yes. So true. Oh my gosh. So true. Oh my God. Thank you, Lauren, so much for joining us, but we want you to tell everybody where they can find you and connect with you and be able to see this project happen um, that you guys are working on. Does it have an official name yet? It, it does. So the, the official title is Enough Room. Um, oh, so I you can, it. yes. So our um, our website is enoughroomproject.com and our 
Facebook is also just an enough room project. Our Twitter is, it, the, the name was too long, so it's enough room proj, P-O-P-R-O-J. And then um, I think Instagram handles also enough room project. So that's where you can find all of that information. Perfect. Yeah, because we want to connect and definitely follow along on, on this project and, and see it come to life. And obviously, however we can help support and share, please let us know. Um, we can't wait to see it. Uh, so hopefully, like we, you know, we get a chance to see it as soon as it comes out, because I'm super. excited. Yes. I'm super excited for it. Fantastic. Yes, we're going to be actually uh, launching our Seed and Spark campaign um, probably at the beginning of August. Okay. And we are looking to shoot the film probably at the end of October. So, which means it'll probably be out um, in early 2020. Yay! That's awesome. That is awesome. That is so, so, so close. Yeah, yes, it's going it to happen is. so fast. <laughs> yeah, and I know it's you're super up. busy. So, we are so excited that you um, have time because I know you're like, off filming in other locations and you're doing all kinds of stuff so um for you to join us uh right now we are super super humbled and and very thankful so thank thank you for for taking the time oh thank you i i actually i i love speaking to women like yourself because you are also you are off doing fantastic things for the world and bringing to light you know a lot of latino women especially and man working in the engineering field i I salute you so yeah annalee's awesome and she has a great um platform that she shares so much on so um it's called the nueva latina so definitely um, Yeah, check out her blog. I'll have to send you um, more of her info so you can check her out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Okay, guys, thank you for joining us on this episode of Girl Talk Mass, and we will talk to you guys soon. Bye.